You're listening to a message from Highway Church on Youth Sunday entitled The Goat. Enjoy. Hello, guys. Welcome to Youth Sunday. Good morning. We are so excited that you're here. We are so excited. Been planning, we were preparing, and we are so excited to see what you guys get from this lawyer. And we are so excited to just be here with you guys and to, you know, let the Holy Spirit lead the whole entire time. We're focused on Him and what He has to say through us. You guys are about to hear from some incredible leaders here, some of my best friends, and I'm so excited. There's so much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so. Um, passionate about what we're going to talk about without, like, this is what I do for a living, pretty much. Uh, So I'm super passionate. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so we're talking about serving, pretty much, and uh, that's literally what I do for my job. Um, I am the marketing coordinator over at Chick-fil-A Seekonk. But just because I am the marketing coordinator doesn't mean I don't um, get my hands on and do, and actually serve people, whether, whatever it may be. Last night, I literally had to go clean up the bathroom because I was like, no one else is doing it. So I had to run to the bathroom, take the trash out. I was like, I get my hands dirty. Um, but Chick-fil-A has definitely taught me a lot about serving in the physical aspect. Um, and so this is, that's why I want to start with, um, there's this thing, I don't know if anyone's really heard of it, but it's called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Yeah, if you could put up that image, uh, Joe. Okay, so basically, it, it's basically what humans need to find fulfillment. It's their actual needs. So I went down to, I got the opportunity to go down to Atlanta, Georgia, for, with Chick-fil-A, co- go to corporate, and, and talk to some incredible leaders, people who are the people for Chick-fil-A. And we went over hospitality and serving. And they actually said what most people don't know is there is another layer on top of that to actually find full fulfillment. And that is to serve. And so I think it's crazy how in the world, because this is the world, obviously, need what they think we need, but we know that God provides all that. But for people in the world to know that to find fulfillment, we need to serve, it's like, it's almost in our, I, like, I, like our DNA. It's like they, they know that we're called to serve without even being in the church. So um, in Mark 10, 44 through 45, in the message version, it says, whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served, and then to give away his life in exchange for many who are held hostage. And so we're made in his image, and so we reflect that. So we're to serve. And that's why I think that was so crazy to me, because I'm like, you know, the world's getting it. They, it's like, so there's some things that I feel that like man can get that it, they don't realize it's because of Christ. So like the need to serve is literally Christ because he came and served. And so I wanted to encourage you one thing about serving though. It's, I want to encourage you to first sit before you serve. And so it says in Ephesians 2, 6, it says he raised us up with Christ the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm, for we are now co-seated as one with Christ. 
But if you go back to 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. But if you, if you don't know, steadfast comes from the Greek, Greek word of sit. And so we are to sit knowing who we are in Christ. We have to know who we are in Christ, know that we're righteous, know that we have that authority to fully be able to serve. He says, those who um, know they have been given all things, e they can easily stoop down and serve. And it's not a chore, it's not I have to type of situation. And so, and not even that, but knowing that you are co-seated with Christ and knowing that you share that authority with him, it's, you're so thankful that you want to serve. Yeah. It, it's that thankfulness that comes over you that like, wow, like I'm already righteous. He's given me all these gifts. Yeah. He's made me all of this and given me all of this. So why not serve? Right. That's good. Yeah. That's good. And um, the amplified version of 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be firm, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always being superior, excelling, doing more than enough in the service of the Lord, knowing and being continually aware that your labor in the Lord is not futile. It is never wasted or to no purpose. And so understand that if you are called to serve, so he's called you to serve, right? He's not going to call you to something and not provide. So he's not going to call you to serve and not give you the time, the energy. He's not going to do that for you. He's going to give it to you. Like, you, you don't have to do it in your own energy, your own strength. He's going to give it all to you. He's going to give you excess so that you can serve more because he knows it's for him and he knows it's for his purpose and his calling on your life. And um, not even that, but... I, I said this earlier when we were praying. Um, I said, at, at the end it says that continu being continual, continually aware that your labor in the Lord is not futile, futile, is never wasted or to no purpose. And that's why I want to encourage you and say, like, what you do matters. It doesn't even have to be in this building. You could be opening a door for somebody. You could be cleaning a bathroom. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, it really truly matters in the grand scheme of things. That one smile, that one hold of a door, that one tray being served, whatever you're doing up here behind the scenes, it's so important. People are being impacted. There's things that are shifting without you knowing it. You know, sometimes um, we think of change and we think it has to be like this big jump. And so I always see this as growth. I, I say this to people when, like, they're trying to be leaders. Sometimes you, you beat yourself up because you're like, oh, I'm not even moving. I'm not moving forward. Nothing's happening. But, if you, but it's because you're taking baby steps. So, like, little by little, you see the difference. But when you turn around after taking, like, 10 baby steps, you'll realize you took a whole hop. But it didn't seem like it because it wasn't instantly. We live, obviously, in, like, the microwave generation, they call it. Like, we want everything instantly. And so you might not think your smile, your joy, you're holding the door, your high five, your handshake, whatever it is, it doesn't matter, but it matters. People need this. They need us. We are the physical representation of Christ. And so if he served, if he came not to be served, but to serve, what are we to do? That's so good. That's good. We got, yes, thank you, Ian. We got, we're going to hear from Mike, too. Do you guys all know Mike? Mike Hello, is awesome. Everybody. 
Mike is our dream team leader here at Highway. So he is so awesome. He, he um, is over all of our teams, like making sure everything's clicking and working. And we're so thankful for him. So I can't wait to hear from you. Good morning, everyone. So I'm stoked for many different reasons. One, I'm still a youth. Huh? Come on, people. I'll tell you what, you roll with Jesus and these people, you'll be young forever. So I didn't know about the color coordination thing, though. I feel a little left out. But I'm still in, though, people. I'm good. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm excited about grays and what Jesus is actually doing, not only in every generation, but in the younger generation. There's something special going on when, when people get a hold of the heart of Jesus. It changes everything. And there's a generation right now that is in need more now than ever of hope, belief in themselves. And there's a generation rising up that's bringing that forth. And it, it's really special. But in Mark 10:45, Amber mentioned it. It talked about Jesus said he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And what's interesting, if you look up that Greek word for serve, it actually breaks it down to an attendant, somebody who will wait upon. And if you actually go deeper into it, it's giving you a picture of a waiter. So if you really think about this, I mean, I'm not talking like the 99, you know, if you've ever been there and waited upon. Now, if you work there, I'm not putting that down. I'm talking about excellence. If you've ever been at a high, I mean, an esteemed establishment, where the waiter is watching you, waiting, what do you need? What do you need? And they're right there, okay? That's a picture for what it means to serve. But now I want to take it, when you talk about Jesus serving us, how do we picture him as a waiter, right? But what I want to do is paint a picture for you. When we, when we look at who Jesus is, he's our high priest. This is pretty astounding because a lot of times we don't talk about the high priest. But when you look at what a priest actually did, he was dealing with the things that were pertaining to God, and he was coming in for man. And when you look at the line of Aaron, he would actually give the offerings and the sacrifices from men to God. So when we have that picture, we see it was a requirement of what men had to give. But what's really interesting about the high priest that Jesus is, it says he came in the order of Melchizedek. And if you know anything about Melchizedek, he actually gave to Abraham bread and wine when he encountered him. And he was a high priest. This is a lineage that Jesus came in, the order of Melchizedek, not to take from you, but to give to you. So now we're going to think about as a waiter... I want you to think about this. I don't care what age you're at in here. When you have a need and you're going through something, the Lord is waiting for you to call upon him. And a lot of times when we look at salvation, we realize the forgiveness of sins is a big deal. I mean, it's the beginning of the doorway. Ms. Debbie talks a lot about the doorway, and it's the beginning of the door. You enter into a relationship with him, but it goes so much deeper. So when you're alone, when you're going through things, you need something, you call upon him, and he's waiting to serve you, to give you what you need, a deep love that he has for you. And when you think about serving, 
that's the attitude we need to be thinking about the way he does it not because he has to he wants to and that's very different a lot of churches will will push you into you need to I want to propose a question why do you not want to why do you not want to and I understand everybody has a different schedule different things going on you know you may not be able to do what you do every week in regards to serving but what are you doing I know sometimes it's a hard question. It, it isn't a, a guilt question. Jesus came to serve. What do we do? We serve him. And I'll tell you what, Jesus is madly in love with his body. The church is a big deal to him. And what we do in it, it matters. There are people that we've encountered here at Highway Church. The Dream Team has a couple foundational scriptures and they're built upon serving not to God, I mean, serving God. We love Joseph, we love Jennifer, but we don't serve them. Nobody does. We serve God. Whether it's picking up toilet paper, or it's picking up tears, or people, it doesn't matter. If you have that attitude, I think it's in First Peter where, where Peter's talking about, he says, if you humble yourself before God, he will exalt you. And when you have a true heart to say, you know what, I want to serve, well, guess what? God will exalt you because he can trust you with the hearts of people. So what we do, yeah, what we do matters. So sometimes I think people, you know, I'm on the, with the Dream Team, so I'm going to give a little shout out right now, our parking team. Come, Joe, Joe and Jeff. The whole dream team is great. We, we, God has brought a great team together. But these guys serve every week where they're just out there, and I, I, whether it's raining. <laughs> but you know what? They don't have to. Like, have you ever been to a church where you can tell the people in the parking lot don't want to be there? <laughs> that isn't these guys. I mean, they've got a heart. Like, they're glad you're here. They want to welcome you, and they, they love you. And they, they've got the heart of serving God. And that's what we're all about here. And, and it's a pretty special thing to be able to do it. It really is. And, and to be able to see Jesus, the one thing I want you to take away, remember that he is our high priest. And whatever you need, you call upon him emotionally, physically. And he's there to come right to your aid. Whatever you need, I'm there for you. I love you. I care for you. And it's a pretty special thing. Amen? Amen. And I am a young adult. Woo! Yeah, and shout out to all our young adults that are serving in other areas too. Yeah. Like, people made like the treats for you guys after. Like, we're greeting. Um, we got some ushers. Like, all the people that helped. Like, thank you so much, all the young adults. Y'all are awesome. And I just love hearing like all like the different like um, perspectives and like insight that you guys have. Um, it's just so cool to hear from like all of you, and um, I think I, we forgot to mention the title of today's like message is the goat, right? The greatest of all time, and um, that comes from Mark nine thirty three through thirty five. So I'm just gonna read that to you guys. Um, it says, "Then they came to Capernaum, and as soon as Jesus was inside the house, he asked his disciples, "Oh hey, what were you guys arguing about on the way here?" This story is so funny, like they're so cute. The disciples, 
No one says a word because they had been arguing about which one of them was the greatest. Who's the goat in this group? But no one wanted to tell Jesus that. They were all like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so Jesus sits down and he calls the 12 disciples to come around him. Like he didn't already know the answer to the question when he asked. And he says to them, if anyone wants to be first, he must be content to be last and become a servant to all. Um, so I really like that translation. That's the, the Passion Translation, and it talks about being content to be last. And um, I wanna talk about two words today, um, comparison and commitment. So we're gonna talk about those two words. Um, but let's just talk about the greatest, right? The disciples were like, who's the greatest in this group? And if we're talking about the NFL, who's the greatest? Hands down, the answer is Tom Brady. Don't at me, it's a proven fact. He's the greatest, he is the GOAT. Um, but I wanna hear from you guys, like why is Tom Brady the greatest? Like what are some reasons? Just shout it out. We could talk about it all day, but shout out some reasons, let me hear. Commitment. Commitment, okay. Rings, what? What about the rings? He is six. He has the most. That's exactly what I was looking for. He has the most rings, right? So obviously, if he has the most, he's the greatest. Well, that doesn't exactly transfer into real life. Um, I just think it's interesting. This is how culture trains us. Like, who has the most? Who's the biggest rapper in the game right now? Who's the greatest entertainer? Who has um, the most talent in the NBA? Like. Culture teaches us to look at someone's net worth or who has the biggest Instaflex, who has the nicest cars right now, but really that has nothing to do with who's the greatest, what you have. It's really your heart. And, and Jesus said we have to be content to be last, and that contentment is so important, just being content in God. It's so amazing. And really... Contentment can only come from this intimate relationship with God where it's just like you guys are tight, you know, and you spend time with him and like that really shifts your view on everything else. Um, it really will make you content no matter what's going on, what circumstances. And um, so contentment, but what's the opposite of contentment? Comparison. And that's one of the words I want to talk about is comparison because I think that's so huge in our culture is comparison and really... Comparison is the enemy of a heart of service. Um, there's no way that you can be comparing yourself with other people and looking for ways to serve them at the same time. Um, you know, with comparison comes negative emotions, right? Like jealousy, insecurity, bitterness. I can only talk about this because I relate. Like I really, this is something the Holy Spirit has been helping me with big time. Um, it's, it's comparison in all those emotions, right? Like jealousy, insecurity, bitterness, they all point the focus back to you. And that's why comparison, you can't be serving and be content to be last and thinking of others if you're always comparing all the time because really the focus is just um, back on you. And one of our dream team scriptures is 1 Corinthians 13. You all know the scripture, love is patient, love is kind. Um, I love this one though. It says, love refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. And it's just, um, it's just self-focus that really isn't good for us, actually. Um, I'm all about improving, and like, 
I love, like, we're always being changed and, and becoming better, but it's not because of us. It's not because we're focused on ourselves and where we're missing it. And um, in the same way that we find freedom under grace, right, when we're not always focused on where we're missing it, there's so much freedom in serving other people because you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about other people, so it's just so freeing. And um, just comparison and self-focus is really like toxic for us. Like God never meant for us to be like worried about wh what we're doing wrong. My dad talked about it last week in our message um, about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he was like, don't even, like don't eat off of that tree. Like he didn't even want us to know the, to be thinking about what's right and wrong. God never even intended for that. I just think that's amazing. All he wants is for you to be in this relationship with him. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. And you're focused on that. And it's so freeing. Like, it really is. So let's, let's really let go of comparison. It's not good for us. Um, and then this is good, too. Like, serving is spiritual. Um, I know... It's like you're automatically outside of your flesh, right? We're spirits living in a body. Um, but serving, you're automatically outside of your flesh. You're, it's not about you. So people come into, state, uh, into church and have this misconception that you're only spiritual if you're on stage. But that is so wrong. Like, I don't know. Um, who's the greatest? Joe. Joe Noyes, clean team leader comes in every week, straightens the chairs after service, sweeps up, and no one's there applauding. No one is even thinking about what he's doing. But who else? Uh, Lynette comes in, um, does hospitality before most of us are even here and sets up the refreshments for us, and no one's there like giving her applause, you know? But that's it. It's like no comparison about what, what's everybody else's job? Oh, they got a solo. Like, it's not about that, you know? It's this, like, there's no comparison. They're just whatever I can do to help the body of Christ, right, in the earth. Like, that's what the church is, and um, it's so important. And I just love, like, the attitudes of the people, like, on the Dream Team. We have some awesome people. And um, let's see. I don't want to miss anything. Oh, yeah, so this is, like, a, just a little example. My dad, um, I love when he talks about, like, how he just, when he just got saved, and he was, like, plugging into church, and he's like, oh, just whatever I can do to help um, and he's like, I would have scrubbed the parking lot with a toothbrush. Like, that's what he always says. And I'm just like, I love that, though. Like, he's like, if they ask me to, I'll scrub the parking lot with a toothbrush. Like, that attitude is so awesome. Like, I love that attitude. And the church really is, like, so important, right? Like, don't sleep on the church. Like, literally, like, set your alarm. Don't sleep on the church. Like, it's important. Um, and just, like, being here and making it a priority so this is kind of leading into commitment, the second word I wanted to talk about. So we talk about comparison and commitment. And commitment, our culture has no idea about commitment at all, right? Like this generation doesn't really understand commitment. And um, my parents have just been a great example of commitment um, to each other, like to God. Like they're, the, they're so grounded in their love for God and for each other. And it just um, has been a great example to us of commitment to each other, to God, to their family, to the church. And um, so I've been alive for about 2,000 weeks. I did the math, okay? So it's been about 2,000 weeks. That sounds like a long time. Um, but I could count. I really think, like, I could probably count on, like, both hands, um, like, how many Sundays I've missed church. 
But wait, hear me. Like, this is not me bragging about church attendance. Never that. Um, because, yeah, that's, that's not what I'm trying to say here. I'm just trying to highlight the importance of church and that my parents have exampled. Um, and not even just because they're in, in ministry or because they serve. Like, we're on vacation, and we're like, oh, where is there, is there a bomb church in this area where we can go get some good word? Like, it doesn't matter. Um, what? Yeah, we drove four hours when we went to Texas. Cause like we like, it's so important. Like for us, like we get we're getting filled up at church. Um, and why is church important though? Because like Mike said, a lot of churches will be like, just be like, you need to serve, you need to serve, like and and like force you to serve. But why is church important? Cause um, we we know that your church attendance doesn't affect how God sees you, right? My dad always says, like, I get kicked out of some churches for saying this stuff. Like, that's how I feel right now. Like, but no, like, your church attendance doesn't affect how God sees you, right? As soon as you're saved, bam, like, you're good. You're the righteousness of God forever. He sees you as righteous as Jesus. So if church attendance, like, isn't getting us on God's good side, which, like, he doesn't have a bad side, but that's a, a conception. So why is church important, right? So I was thinking about this this week, and I was like, what's a good analogy that I think we could all relate to, or most of us? So here's one. So gym memberships. Who has a gym membership here? Okay. Um, who, like, consistently uses that gym membership? My hand was up. It's down now. Oh, Sarah, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> So, okay, so here's the thing. When you sign up for a gym membership, you're in, right? Like, like um, <laughs> whether you go or not doesn't affect whether you're a member. You know, there's like the, um, I don't know, it's just like, um, yeah, are you going to grow as much as you could and as quickly as you could and flourish and, and get strong if you're not if you're not there taking advantage of that membership? You know, it's like that. Like when you pray the prayer of salvation and you um, receive Jesus as your savior, you're in, like you're good, you're going to heaven, but church is for your advantage. Like this is for you to get get strong and get built up and, and, um, and it's just so important for, for every believer and we're here, and I know, I hear from all of you guys, like, we're growing and we're learning so much. And then the next step, we want to get more people in here, like, learning and, and experiencing the real Jesus, too. And the way that growth comes is, is by getting plugged in and, and um, serving. That's, like, just the next step, you know? Like, we're so excited. It's just it's like a want to serve. You know, like, we're so excited. And the next step is, like, okay, like, I want to I serve so that more people can experience this, too, you know? And, um... So yeah, just commitment, just committing to being in a good church, not just any church, you know, like make sure they're preaching like the finished work, like who you are, building you up, but just being in a good church every week is, is a commitment and it will build you up and it will strengthen you, it will build character. And um, yeah, just serving the body of Christ, right? That's the church. Um, just serving um, here and helping other people, like, experience the real Jesus, I think that's just, like, that's the best service that, that we could ever, you know, be a part of. So if you're thinking, like, oh, okay, so serving, thinking about other people, like, I don't really do that, but I want to start, and you don't really know where to start, like, 
get plugged into to church, what's going on in church, because it's like, it's the best service you could be a part of, for real. It's so great. Yeah, that's what I got. We're going to hear from Dylan next, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Hey, how you doing? This is good stuff. This is great. Um, let me. I I just want to go over real quick the verses that we had. Um, like Mark. Uh, like I almost just called you Mark. Um, the first verse is from Mark, so you know, um, Mer Mark. It's all the same. <laughs> um, no, but so Jesus is asking his disciples, it's, it's found in Mark 9, what were you discussing on the way? And they kept silent. And uh, for on the way, they had argued with one another about who is the greatest. And Jesus sat down and called the 12, and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And then the second verse is found in Mark 10. And Jesus says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And so, I like what Amber touched on. She said that, you know, you're called to serve. And I just want to say something real quick. First off, you're called to Jesus. Jesus said, this is uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me. Come to me. You're called to Jesus. And in Jesus is, is where we find our purpose for serving. And, it's, and I think you said it. Uh, we, don't, we don't serve Joseph and Jennifer. We serve Jesus. He's, he's the one we're doing it for. He's the one we're serving. Um, and as I was praying this week and wondering what I was going to do, because I figured, you know, there's like at least three or four things that pop into your head, like when you hear serving, you're like, oh, I could talk on that and, you know, like join some team and then like get plugged in, you know, and just serve or something like that. But I was like, no, I don't want to be cliche. I don't want to. But as I was just seeking the Lord about it, he really brought up, um, I'm the guy with all the scriptures. I'm going to read another one. Um it's 1 John 4.16. And we know that God is love, but I'm going to prove it to you. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So we're one nature with God, right? So when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior... It's not that Jesus, you know, is love, his nature is love, and then we get a little bit, but we're still kind of like this, you know, I can't really love anybody because, you know, whatever. No, no, we're one, we're one nature with him. So when we receive his nature as our nature, and if his nature is love, that means our nature becomes love. Okay? So we're one in this love that Jesus has and is. And so... Re, you know, when we talk about 1 Corinthians 13 and love is patient, love is kind. Now that your nature is his nature and we know that God is love, love, whatever love is, now pertains to you. 
who you are, how you operate. And, you know, it's funny, I, you might not think that you can love or, like, you know, you might fly off the handle or get angry or have an anger problem or, like, you know, well, I definitely haven't practiced love. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. But I'm not talking about your habits that you have or haven't formed. I'm talking about your nature. Because your habits or how you act can never change your nature. So your nature is love because his nature is love and you're one with him. And so we're serving out of a place of love. We're serving him not only out of a place of loving him but knowing that he loves us and that that's now our nature. But whether you've made it a practice to serve him or not serve him isn't the point. The moment you receive Jesus, your nature is now the same as his, and you can operate in this place of love and serving out of the right attitude. Your habits can only accurately represent or misrepresent my true nature. So we've been saying it. Jesus was the greatest of all time. He served, he served out of knowing who he truly was. So your service... And in service, I mean talking about like, whenever I think service, I think good deeds, you know, helping people out, donating to charity, whatever it is. But service is, I mean, anything you do, it's kind of like min ministry. I think ministry and service, serving are hand in hand. Whatever you're doing, you're ministering. Because it's, it's an overflow of what you're doing, of who you are, what's happening on the inside. So the, however you're serving is going to be an overflow of what's going on on the inside. But I just want to say your service will be in vain if you don't know the reason you're serving. So it's not just about serving in church or serving in ministry or helping a soup kitchen. It's about knowing why you're doing this thing. Because oh, I got another scripture. Um, and I love that we just went over this. Um, Pastor kept talking about the one thing that was necessary. And it's Jesus. And I want to go quickly back to that story of Mary and Martha. It said, Martha was distracted. This is Luke 10, uh, 40. With much serving. Isn't that interesting? She was distracted with much serving. Now, that doesn't mean serving is a bad thing. It means she was distracted with the wrong type of serving. So her focus, it wasn't on the one who enables her to serve in her fullest capacity. Her attention was on the doing and not on the one who's the enabling to do. See, when you know Jesus, when you're, when you're serving out of that place of, no, I know Jesus and he knows me and we're in this thing together and his nature is mine and now I can operate in love and I can be patient and kind and I don't have to get irritable or resentful or self-seeking and I can help people. It's all because I know, no, Jesus is, is my one thing. I'm serving him first. See, Mary had it right. Mary sat at the Lord's feet and she just listened to him. You know, she was serving him attention. She was, she was waiting on Jesus. Her, her, her attention was on him. 
And Martha was like, hey, um, Jesus, I don't know if you know this or not, but my sister Mary's kind of slacking off over here. She's like listening to you, and she should be helping me in the kitchen. Jesus is like, you're anxious and troubled. Oh, you know you can get anxious and troubled about serving? You can get anxious and troubled about doing a good thing, doing the right thing, that you totally miss the whole reason you started out to do it in the first place? It's so important to serve out of a knowing place. You have to know your place. And the first place you're called to is to Jesus. And then you find out your position and your assignment, and then you can serve effectively. Because there's a lot of people serving in wrong areas. But I want to I wanna present this to you. Instead of doing what you think is a good thing, serve out of knowing what is the God thing. Because the God thing will be your good thing. See, Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. See, Jesus knew what he had to give. So he, 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 he didn't come with all of this, like, oh, hey, guess what? I'm going to save you from hell, but real quick, could you make me something? Like, he, he didn't come to be served. He came to give because he was so overflowing with the light and the life and the love of his father. He knew his purpose. He knew his assignment, and it was to serve and to give so that we, in turn, having now received what Jesus has given, can go back out and give. Because serving, going back to Mary real quick, serving is all about yielding. Yielding to the Holy Spirit. Mary was yielding to the word of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, ministering to her. The more you yield, the more the Holy Spirit can work through you. And the more he can work through you, the more he can fulfill his destiny for you through you. Which is exactly what Jesus did. The reason Jesus was so successful in his, in his life and ministry is because it was a life full of yielding to the Holy Spirit which in turn produced serving others, which in turn produced all of us here now living this abundant, glorious life and fulfilling our destiny in Him. So serve God first. Know Him. Serve Him. And allow Him to show you where else to serve. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good he is.